I'm Henry Lin. I'm Madeline Wallace. And welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people and companies doing really good things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. Today we are joined by a very special guest, someone who I hold very dearly and I am so privileged to know, Aaron Wise. Communications Director at Seating Sovereignty. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Show. Thank you. <laughs> so. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Remix. So first, is there anything that you would like to open with? Um, something that you would like to um, say? Indigenous people are being consecutively displaced over the course of human history. We at Better World focus on a lot of humanitarian issues, and today we would like to focus on indigenous people. Erin, tell us a little bit about what Seeding Sovereignty does. You know, Seeding Sovereignty does a lot of work around indigenous body and land sovereignty issues, as well as issues that impact gender expansive folks that identify as indigenous and also indigenous women. Um, but before we get started, I just want to thank the folks of Lenin Lenape Territory here in Lenape Hoking, also known as so-called New York City and want to give thanks to all of the Haudenosaunee folks that helped build the city, all of the iron workers that were out here creating this infrastructure for the place that we're holding this podcast uh, yet and for having me. Wow. That's what I was getting at. Thank you for doing it. Um, okay. So yeah, what is Seeding Sovereignty about? I mean, you already kind of said that. Um, I also have to say I'm kind of cheating because Seeding Sovereignty is an organization that my mother founded. That <laughs> um, I feel like Aaron and I are both children of my mother, essentially. This is real. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love my mom. She's amazing. She's a rock star. Um, she's a rock star. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what are the kinds of issues more specifically that Seeding Sovereignty um, deals with? I guess you could talk about some of the projects that you guys are taking on. Um, is that something... Yeah, 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 definitely. I think uh, one of the things that we'd highlight today in, uh, in particular, being that it's Valentine's Day across the medicine line in First Nations Canada, um, folks recognize it as a day of recognition for murdered, missing Indigenous women, girls, uh, two-spirit trans folks, gender expansive folks, um, people that have been taken deliberately uh, murdered or, um, you know, presented as missing by parties that are involved in their disappearances. Um, we also uplift all the folks that um, are maybe still out there that have been taken that want to come home that don't know um, or don't have the ability to come home. Uh, when we're doing our work as Seeding Sovereignty, we're trying to ensure that we're amplifying not only the voices of those who aren't typically heard, but also, um, you know, recentering the narrative around Indigenous media and also our existence, um, speaking to what lived experiences look like as a modern day indigenous person. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for us to um, recenter the framework around what indigeneity is by looking at what's happening to our people in real time and not what's happened to us necessarily in the past. While that does inform what is currently going on in our world, it um, doesn't exactly speak to the issues that we have at present and how we're going to handle them. Wow. Seeding Sovereignty really tries to uh, tackle with a lot of power and a lot of passion, um, you know, some of the most pervasive issues in Indian country, including, you know, our murdered missing indigenous folks, in addition to um, what violence against the earth does to not only the land, but to our communities themselves and how violence against the land begets violence against our indigenous peoples. Yeah. And um, I guess as 
someone on um in such a, a wonderful role as you, um, who I look up to and I learned so much from. Um, I'm curious to ask you, because we've never really had the chance to have this these kinds of conversations, um, in regards to the work that you guys are doing at Seating Sovereignty, what I guess what are the general feelings? What is an experience like for you? What how do you move about sort of your your um educating people on a daily basis? Um, what are the general feelings that you feel on a daily basis as someone who's confronting all of these issues? And um, and how does that impact your work? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really important question because a lot of folks, uh, you know, there are only three of us that are doing this work actively mm -hmm. together. And I think a lot of folks don't realize that every single one of us has been touched by the issues that we work on. Um, it's not just, you know, the land and body sovereignty, like, you know, even in getting into specifics, you know, with murdered missing indigenous peoples, my brother, you know, was murdered two years ago. Jesus, and I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. And and I think that a lot of us, you know, really look at these issues as something that doesn't even happen in our city or in our backyard. It happens in our home. Yep. It happens to people that we know. And, you know, even today, learning from a friend that, you know, their indigenous trans brother was murdered yesterday mm. and you know and they lost their life you know early this morning thinking about those things it's you know it's happening in real time the violence against our people is ongoing the colonial genocide project is still ongoing and i think that for us when we're looking at this work how does it how does it impact us or, or why do we do it i mean it's every single day if if we don't do something about what's happening to us mercilessly we're wasting the opportunity that those other folks could have had, right? It's it's their life that they're not getting back. And I, I feel like we're breathing life into these people again just a little bit by remembering them and, and trying to prevent the situations that have occurred that led to their deaths from happening again. We're trying to create emergent spaces that are not only beautiful and wonderful and informative, but also very protective and intentional for people who don't otherwise have protection or support. And looking at especially, you know, our gender expansive youth who we every single day tell, you know, be, be yourself and we're going to support you. And through our support right. and our protection, the world is also going to love and support you. And then to wake up and be told, actually, this kid was led to their death by someone that they knew and they were encouraged and they were on the spectrum and they were scared to be themselves. But people like me. Older siblings like me were encouraging them to be themselves, which is all we can do for our young people. And yet, you know, trying to find the balance between holding the grief and also the path forward is a really tenuous thing to be, you know, a tenuous line to be walking on. Wow. And I think that for someone in my position, it's sometimes overwhelming for me to feel like I can be have a role and have an ally because I don't have these lived experiences um, of colonial genocide in a way that I can ever I want I want to support as much as possible. And so I guess from someone in my perspective who is um, is knows everything you're doing and wants to kind of step back, I guess what 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 would you say to that gosh <laughs> because that like I, that, that was a really big one and i kind of jumped and i but but no, i'm just hearing okay. you speak about these heavy things and i'm you know i want to hear how you're thinking about it 
You know, I think that so many people look at these experiences and they're like, holy shit, murder, right? Because that's a really big fucking deal, murder. Um, but the country was founded on it. So even in saying, like, I don't necessarily, you may not have a firsthand experience with murder, but everyone in this country has a personal, deeply rooted and unintentionally invested mm. experience and firsthand, um, I guess, benefit, right? All of us in this country, if you weren't brought here by forced removal, if you weren't um, sent here because you thought it would be a better place or a safer place for you to be after this country caused a war in your home country and you came on foot. If you weren't somebody else, you know, whose roots grow directly out of your feet into the earth, you benefit from murder. Mm. So, I mean, even looking at it as, okay, it may not have been your brother. Mm. You may not know who Travis Howland is. You may not know who our young indigenous trans youth that just lost their life is, mm. but you have known you have heard about all of these other people that have come before us that have lost their lives and i think that like contextualizing it in a way that like your experience if you just switch the lens out a little bit you know you can yeah. find a way you're almost like you're six degrees to whatever and how you connect and and once i think folks realize what their involvement is in in the issue or in the process i think then they can engage and that engagement can look as you know, as much as like you, you had no idea about murdered, missing indigenous peoples before. And you're going online and you're Googling MMIW mm. and you're trying to figure out what that is. And mm. once you figured out what it is, you realize that there are solidarity actions that take place all across the city, mm. you know, mm. and you engage in those. If you can't do that, then you're looking at how can I amplify the work of the people that are on the ground? Do I have a platform? If I don't have a platform, do I have money? Do I have resources? Do I know folks that have resources? I mean, flex on your friends. Totally. If you want to go out and get drunk and spend a few hundred dollars with your girlfriends and talk about being bad bitches, that's great. But you can be a bad bitch by throwing your money at people who actually need it and not just a restaurant that's going to swallow it, not give a fuck about who you are, not remember your name in the morning. And then your body is going to be like, why did I do that? And you're also going to be sitting there with this guilt of like, I don't know how to be an ally. Mm -hmm. It's really mm -hmm. simple. You wake up, you know, I was even telling your Maddie mom. Maddie did this. not confess to throwing up outside of a cab. 20 minutes in pre-production prior to this. Just a little context for the conversation. Erin wow. Aaron enjoyed that and also <laughs> said that she did the same thing too, so it wasn't all her. <laughs> Henry didn't tell any of his dirty secrets. Exactly. We all yes. know Henry's a lightweight. <laughs> no, but I, I really do think that, it. you know, I was telling your mom earlier, you know, in the day that it's... You look at it like a, a bag of chips, right? And it's like, you can decide, I really want those fucking chips. They're going to be delicious. And I just need to have that bag of chips. But then you think about the plastic bag that the chips come in and you're like, man, I've eaten a hundred bags of chips before and I've never thought about those hundred bags. But now I'm going to know that this is going to be 101. And mm. I've then started that count. It's like, okay, you may not have known about murdered missing indigenous peoples until right now, this moment that I told you. But it's happening. People are being trafficked in the city probably right now as we're talking, walking past us, and we don't even realize that it's happening, that mm -hmm. there are women being taken, people being disappeared actively. And, and if you're aware of it now, then I think that the goal here would be that folks feel incumbent upon them to do something, even if it is to be like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Does anybody else? And start a conversation. Yeah. This is one of the episodes where there is no good time for a commercial break. That being said, <laughs> I'm going to have to slide one in there. It's okay. This episode was brought to you by SmileRadio.fm. Welcome to the shortest commercial break that we will ever have on Better World. 
at smileradio.fm. Check them out and come to Smile for the Chicken. We are back with something significantly more fucking serious than I've ever dealt with here. Though, shout out to Nadam. I love your cashmere. (laughs) I'm interested in your thoughts on how this systemic challenge came to be, though we can go way deep back in fucking history. Did you just ask that question? (laughs) We can go way deep back. I understand that I'm popping a can of worms. Oh, God. But I also would like to know that the actors who are currently supporting it, who who are they? And how do I draw attention to them? Where did this come from and why is it still happening? Gosh, the actors? The bad actors. Like the, the folks that are involved or... I think the responsible parties who are still perpetuating something. Okay, I hear you. Um, I think, you know, gosh, where did MMIW come from? I mean, short answer, colonialism. Mm-hmm. Oh, long answer, heteropatriarchy, colonial capitalism, fossil fuel extraction. Yeah. I mean, take your pick. It was folks showing up in a place without consent. Realizing that Bent they had the ability, of wealth. yeah. I mean, it, it's. I, I think it. You want to go back beyond even like fuck white people, which is where I always go, and you know fuck heteropatriarchy and fuck cisgendered bullshit and fuck the church that made people think that sex was this thing to be used as both a plot and. A, a means of like getting what you wanted and a means of shame and also a means of redemption. Like there are just so many ways that the church framed the narrative around sex that I think caused a lot of the issues that women face now. Mm. But I think that if you, you go even further beyond that and you're like peeling back all of those layers, like what causes this issue? I think it's folks have never been taught no. I don't, I don't know what that looks like in every community because I can only speak for mine. But in my community, no meant no no access without consent. I mean, no trespassing your body, no trespassing the land. If you didn't have explicit permission, you didn't even eat the food that came out of the earth. If you did not have a relationship with the plant, if you did not have a relationship with the animal, if you did not have a relationship with the land, you didn't take shit from it. Mm. If you do not have a relationship with someone, you do not get to do anything to them without their consent. And I think that So the behavioral imbalance that you're speaking of is deeply systemic to our culture and has been a problem. And before we go into the Maria Mies capitalist accumulation and go a deeper dive into many of the people who have identified how this is a problem, I'm very interested to ask you what you think some of the basic steps are. And I understand that I'm almost cutting to the end of our podcast normally, but it sounds like the conversation for what we can do as individuals, not just in how we can educate ourselves, but the actual steps that we can take to be better are a a larger, longer form conversation. So I'm almost inclined to ask that rather than identifying some of these parties responsible, because I think there are things in government that aren't being done. I'm super interested to ask who you're voting for and why as a result. Um, But I would like to also see if we can start the conversation about, okay, well, now it's very, very clear that we have this problem and that really the the land, the environment, the people over hundreds of thousands of years have been taken advantage of. So what can we do today in the face of like this kind of large systemic and hopeless problem? Well, one thing we could talk about, Aaron, too, is fossil fuels and how much MMIW is connected to fossil fuels. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the biggest things that folks don't realize is that because of, you know, fossil fuel extraction, because of all these isms or whatever you want to call it that are, you know, causing these issues, if you want me to 
skip over, you know, what the root causes are, then I think that we can go directly to- No, we can can definitely talk about the root causes. It just sounds like that it's a deep rabbit hole where, where there is not as much change in identifying the root cause because it goes back so many hundreds of years as there is in identifying these really simple steps that- if, if we only had a very brief period, which of course we do, you know, given that, you know, we're not a seven hour podcast, but if we only had a brief period, what would, what would be the things that we would encourage people to wake up to immediately? I, I think the fossil fuels one is incredible, but I also think that what you have said about the murder and trafficking of indigenous people literally in the first five minutes of the episode shook me. I, I honestly did not know. It's, it's incredible. I'm going right. to shut up she now. was she was yeah she was going to answer your question yeah i think that like what what should i think first of all folks should realize um that indigenous peoples exist <laughs> i think that that i don't I, I think that it's easy to say in a room where folks are obviously looking at an indigenous person that is real and talking in real time but i think that folks really genuinely don't believe that we exist as human beings that we're doctors we're teachers we're members of our community, we're artists, we're lawyers, we're people that fuck up, we're people that do incredible things, we're people that fight the police for our lands, we're the people that show up and peacefully protest, we're everyone among everybody, just like everybody else. The fact is, is that our population has been reduced to less than 0.01% of our original peoples. And so I think that like when recognizing this issue, you're looking at a population that has been reduced to 0.01% of its original size, and then you're looking that of that population, how many, it's one in, I think it's, the official is one in 2.5, but it's closer to one in two indigenous women have been or will be sexually assaulted or violently harassed in their lifetime. Okay, so it's one in two. So if I'm sitting in a room right now and it's Madeline and I as indigenous women, it's me for sure. I can't speak to her. But I'm, I'm saying like you're in a room right now with the percentage, you're in a room right now with statistic. Mm. So if folks are looking at their world and their lived experience and they're walking outside, they're not even realizing that they could be potentially in a room with a statistic that great. If you're in a room with six indigenous women, knowing that statistic and you're one person who has never experienced any of the visceral hate, the violence, the sexual disparaging behavior that they like the things that they have done to indigenous peoples indigenous women in particular and you're sitting in that room for the first time you don't even realize that half of the people have experienced whole worlds of things that you will never know how do you engage with them and how do you support first of all you just sit down you be quiet yes that's like the biggest thing is that you just you don't speak right because what do you have to bring to the table what words can come out of your mouth that can possibly compare Now, I can't speak to anybody else's lived experience because I meet people all the time that have had way more fucked up lives than me. And I think that mine is bad, right? Sometimes I really look at it and I think, why do do things like this happen to people like my family, to me? Why do things like this happen to indigenous youth that want nothing more than to leave the fucking reservations that were created as an act of war to kill them? Like people think that reservations are this place where there's just free college and free money and free services. And I'm like, fuck, man, Hitler came here to learn how to create his concentration camps after he saw how successful the reservations were at systemically, systematically killing people, putting them in one place like chattel and then murdering them. 
starving them to death, giving them things that you knew would make them sick. You look at that whole history, it's like there are so many things that lead up to the issues of murdered missing indigenous women. But I mean, it's it, it wouldn't even be a seven hour podcast. It would be a seven month lecture where everyone just sat in silence and listened to the experiences of other people, telling them what has happened to them, telling them what it's like even in this last week to watch on the news about the Wet'suwet'en camp in Vancouver you know, what they were doing there. There were red dresses that were hanging in their camps to signify women that had been murdered or missing along the highway of tears right near their camps where even RCMP would take women and they would leave them without jackets and shoes in the middle of nowhere because they knew that they would starve and they would die, they would freeze. The police were taking them out and doing this to them and our people were the ones finding them and then they hung dresses up in the camps to signify those women and this week when the RCMP went in and they mercilessly tore down these camps, they took our people out of their camps at gunpoint. And then all these people had to be forcibly marched out of camp past these dresses. And it was like, can you imagine, right? This dress that symbolized a whole being, a whole body that you can never have, you can never touch, you can never bring home, a whole spirit you go into ceremony looking for and you can't find. And then you see the dress on the ground and you have to walk past it. And then you have to explain to people why it is that a dress on the ground means so much to you in the middle of the snow. And it doesn't fucking matter to anybody else because they can go to Goodwill, they can go to Forever 21, they can go to JCPenney's and get whatever the fuck kind of dress they want and wear it today and look hot for Valentine's Day. But they don't have to think about the fact that indigenous peoples are literally walking across pieces of cloth on the ground in the snow and they're seeing a real life person on the ground, a sister, an auntie, a brother, an other, you know, a sibling, a whatever you want to call it. And they're sitting there and they're staring at this dress on the ground. And it's like there's blood there on the earth because there is. And people want to ask us, you know, what's the root cause of this? And I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm like getting a little hyphy here, but like, what isn't the cause of this? You, you, anything you touch is the cause of this. Our cell phones, our shirts. I mean, what, what is on our body right now that wasn't probably made by slave labor or wasn't formulated by slave labor? If it's vegan now, it doesn't matter because the original format wasn't, was it? And if it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of people don't really think about even with these lights in the room that we're in right now, even with the electricity, <laughs> like I'm such a wet blanket wherever I go because it's, it's not fun anymore to look at the world that we're in and realize how many people are suffering so that I can have this little moment, right? My bag of chips. Now, what can we do to make it better? I think people really need to consider aside from the listening. I think folks need to do some education some self-awareness. I think that, you know, seedingsovereignty.org, we have a lot of resources on there that have been written by our collective members that you can read. But additionally, there are many, 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 many organizations that are touching in on indigenous issues. You literally just have to Google. You want to you wanna support folks? Indigenous plus blank. You know, do you want to support folks that are fighting fossil fuel extraction? There's an org for that. You want to support kids that are, you know, gender expansive in indigenous communities? There are networks for that. There are so many different resources that people literally can just Google. There are people like our organization what that take- What started seedingsovereignty.org? 
Yep, yeah. seedingsovereignty.org. And Can you spell sovereignty for us? S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y. Seeding Sovereignty, S-E-E-D-I-N-G. And if, you know, folks go there, they can find these resources, they can make donations, and they can also meaningfully interact with original peoples that are trying to do good works. I mean, if you don't feel like supporting murdered missing indigenous folks is your niche, if that's not where you want your money to go, there are so many other ways that you can support. And I think that looking at organizations like ours and others, you know, across Turtle Island or, you know, North America, I think you can really start looking at how to invest your money in a way that isn't frivolous and also is contributing to the expanse of our community, our global community, because I don't think that folks realize that we're in the age of the Anthropocene and that the world is actually dying faster than we are living and that like it's going to... Extinction event. Yeah, the extinction is happening and who are going to be the ones to suffer? No one in this room. You know, we're not going to be the ones to feel the effects of it. I might before y'all, but not really. You know, I, I come from mid low, low middle class, you know, North America. I come from the reservations, which I mean, we were dirt poor, but I still had access to things. I still had, you know, what I needed. And I think about all the people in other countries that aren't going to have that access. I think what folks can be doing now is setting up infrastructure in their lives to be able to support in the future. I think that folks don't really think about how they can share what they have, how they can redistribute their wealth in ways that doesn't necessarily mean just donating to a GoFundMe account. I think that folks can be looking at, hey, I have a house and I have a bedroom that doesn't get used ever, ever, ever. And I know folks that need a place to sleep because it's fucking cold. Now, I understand it's not always safe to be strangers off the streets into your house. But I mean, if you have the capacity, I don't understand. I really don't why there isn't some kind of community network building where you can create safe spaces even just for a night. You can offer a shower. You can do something meaningful. I think folks really get off on giving a homeless person a dollar and thinking that they changed the world or donating $25 to an organization and thinking like, okay, check that box, move on. You know, that's, that, that's not how the world works. It's a, a continual relationship. It's reciprocity, it's intention. And I think that if folks really want to contribute, you know, they put their money and also their minds behind these issues at hand because it's really exhaustive to continually educate people and then have people be sitting there looking at you just like heart, pouring out at you and it's like i don't know what to do with this my hands are already full mm. and and that that is a really hard feeling as an organizer to constantly be looking at people who want to support but they also need to be educated i think first if you're coming into a community educate yourself as much as you are able and then come in with your questions don't come in with your questions and then be looking for education afterwards i think it's really important to self-educate to support physically, to support financially, and also to ensure that the voices of the people whose lived experiences you do not have are being heard first and foremost. Aaron, thank you so very, very much for coming in and coming on the pod. Maddie? Do we need to do another commercial break? Are you about to do that? No, I wasn't going to do another okay. commercial break. Okay. To the contrary, I was going to ask <laughs> okay. if she wanted to come on the pod again. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, how much time do we have? Well, probably uh, done. I after a lot. after no, that, no, no, we have all great. the time in the world, frankly. But yeah. um, I, I think it is important to note that you've given 
um, me and uh, our listeners a tremendous amount to think about and to start doing. And that the first portion that you've identified is education. And starting at seedingsovereignty.org is a very, very good place um, to start the education. Moving forward, I would love to announce any type of partnership with you uh, for written content um, and educational content so that we could publish resources um, uh, about this. And also, Erin is an incredible, obviously, this is goes without saying, educator, and she runs the Seeding Sovereignty Instagram, which is so good. It is one of my favorite accounts. It's just Seeding Sovereignty. You guys have, what, like 90,000 followers by now or something? Something. You're on it. Something. Like, it's insane. We're, it's like a steady stream of consciousness. Steady if you want to come stream. laugh and get your ass kicked at the same <laughs> yes. time, we're the page for you. Precisely. Can't wait to see Precisely. the TikTok. Precisely. Way to turn this around, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I have, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit curious um, to hear your thoughts about, and I think this is so much more common in New York City and in some of the people that I've talked to, like, like the fetishization of indigenous peoples mm. um, and and how you feel about that. Um, gosh. Yeah. I, I think that, <laughs> gosh, I'm just like, do you have another part of that question? Like, like being in conversations <laughs> and hearing people be like, oh, I love that, you know, indigenous wisdom. I'm so on board with it. Like, and me not knowing what to say because... Like people have been, yeah, they ha they're like, they have the answers. And like, if we just go back to original knowledge, like, you know, I'm all about that. Like, I'm a big supporter of that, but them not actually doing really anything. Um, Like, what would, what would I say? What do you say? Like, I think being in, <laughs> like, it's such a, I think indigenous one. culture is like this amorphous being, right? Yeah. Like, it's like this omnipresent amorphous blob that like you can just pull a, like a piece of cotton candy from when you need some fluff for whatever shit you're saying in in most people's heads so true um, and i don't think that folks you know they say oh indigenous wisdom and we just need to like fall back on traditional knowledge or whatever and i like first of all i think that using indigenous folks as your safety net is fucked up and also doesn't really work i mean at, at we have all of this knowledge, we have all of this wisdom, but we're not allowed to execute it. We're not allowed to do what we need to do with our own lands, right. our quote, public lands. You know, so folks are like, even in Australia, they were, they were saying, you know, oh my gosh, if we had just listened to the Aboriginal peoples and like their fire keeping techniques, you know, ahead of time, we would have prevented burning half our fucking country down. And the Aboriginal folks were just sitting there going, yeah, we we try to tell you that, but also, you know, listening to us now isn't going to prevent further devastation because we're already at the point where so much has burned that we're not bouncing back from that in any meaningful way mm -hmm. in our lifetime, right? And so I think that, you know, one of the biggest issues that I have with people saying, oh, that was like a Native American proverb or that was an indigenous wisdom or whatever the fuck people want to say, I just really think that it's kind of funny because I don't, first of all, think that, I, and I, I always ask to clarify, what do you mean when you say Native American, you know, what tribe? I don't think that folks realize there are over 576 federally recognized tribes in addition to all the ones that aren't recognized. And I don't think that folks even realize that beyond that, there are so many people that are 
identifying as indigenous that don't necessarily come from, quote, the United States, right? We're looking right. at folks from across the medicine line to the north. We're looking at them to the south, the east, the west, whatever, wherever they're coming from. Folks are identifying as indigenous. And so indigenous wisdom, quote unquote, doesn't really mean a whole lot if you don't know who it's coming from, you know? And also you look at that like Indian with the tear, the Italian native guy from the seventies that was like the recycling guy. And it was like, don't trash mother earth. And then he would turn in his profile would have the single tear. And he was, he was Italian. He wasn't even native, but he swore up and down until his death that he was Italian mm-hmm. or that he was native American and folks believed him. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, situations like that. And I even have people now will reference it. Oh, I just remember, you know, the ad from, you know, before you were born, before you were born, this mm. ad was just so deeply moving. And I've just always cared about the earth since then. And when I tell them that he wasn't indigenous, it's like their whole world shatters because they just have this one gold star that they carry around mm-hmm. and they're so proud of it. And I think that folks really need to be examining and also kind of, I don't know, fucking say that shit out loud to yourself before you say it to somebody else. I mean, I don't think that people realize how ridiculous they sound or how trying it is to hear people say things like that and not be a total bitch like i really try to find the god in me with a lot of people every single day but when folks are trying to relate to me with half-assed information when i'm experiencing ongoing genocide i'm putting people in the ground Every single month, I am watching people try to take their lives because they don't understand what's happening to them or why it's happening to them. And then you want to sit there and look at me and be like, only when the last tree falls and the last drop of water, whatever the fuck. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you can't even tell me where that came from. You can't tell me who said it. All you know is it's some ethereal quote that you pulled off of fucking Pinterest and you want me to sit there and take you seriously because you're excited. I understand and I really want to empower people, but also say it out loud so that you understand what it's like to be receiving your words. I don't think that anybody in this country has ever been taught that. This is a big day. I told you to sit down and (laughs) shut up because fucking Aaron's coming on the podcast. You did a pretty good job. I would say. I get it. Next time, it's too many fart jokes. Yeah. Aaron's coming back to town. <laughs> Just uh, let him know. Yeah. And she apologized for being hyphy. I'm like, I don't know if hyphy's the word I use here. <laughs> In a world of an intense emotional maelstrom comes your upcomings. Um, any last Aaron. ideas? Anything else? Gosh. Um, I really I want really, to encourage people to go to, to, to seating sovereignty after having. Well, yeah, seating sovereignty. I, I have one more question before we break at. this off because I'm I, I'm just dying to know. We've been gravitating around whether or not there really is anything that we can do from the government side of the fence. But um, I, I would love to know who you're supporting either in big mm. ballot or down ballot measures. Wait, I, we can't say that. We can't. Can you say that as an individual? I can say that as an individual, but right. our org is not supporting anyone. Got it. The yeah. org's out neutral. Our, yeah, yeah, our yeah. organization does not support any candidates, but I, as a Aaron Wise human being, individual person, am going to vote for Bernie Sanders Woo. because he's a bad bitch yes. and I love him. And <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I have had so many experiences with Bernie and I don't, 
I know a lot of people are like, oh, we got to vote for Elizabeth Warren because woman. And I'm just not on the whole vote for the binary that isn't being voted for because the binary is broken. It doesn't do shit. And Elizabeth Warren is a problematic asshole. Like, I really am just not about people that are told that they need to be accountable and then do everything to shirk accountability while still benefiting from the lies that they tell. So Mm -hmm. that being said, I'm pro Bernie. Every indigenous event that has been major where I have needed support, not even just personally, but, you know, as a nation of people, Bernie has shown up. Jane Mm -hmm. has shown up. And I like him as a human being. He's a nice guy. And when I see him, he's always like, Hello, Aaron. And <laughs> I really oh just God. love love that. So yeah, Damn. pro pro Bernie, Aaron Wise by herself, not yes. as an organization. I love it. And Madeline Wallace as herself, pro yep. Bernie. Yeah, pro. Bernie. Thank you guys uh, both for this very staggering lesson, and thank you, Aaron, for all of your continued work. Um, I. I'm at a loss for words, which you're is my hero. Love you so much. Love fucking you too. rarity, and appreciate both of you tremendously. So, uh, I, I'm Henry Lynn. I'm Madeline Wallace. And please come back and hang out with us a little bit more on the old better world. You know, yes. And hear a little bit more about how we can make the world better as people, because I don't think we have spent enough time talking about us as people. Thanks, Aaron. Thank better world.